0: You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 112. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Hey, moms, are you trying to break into tech? Are you wondering what skills you really need to get hired and how those skills can be worth $45 an hour instead of the $25 an hour you thought when you first started thinking about going back to work? If so, then the Your Techie membership is for you. Our combination of courses, coaching, and community come with the mentor support you need to keep moving forward in your tech career. It's like no other membership program available. We have the exact skills employers are looking for. You'll learn how to maximize your income with portfolio-ready skills that hiring managers are seeking. Not to mention the steps you can skip so you don't find yourself down that endless tech learning rabbit hole. Join me as I walk you step-by-step through the getting hired process in tech. Sign up at uartechy.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com. I can't wait to see you in our membership. Katie Barrier is a mom and a curious self-driven UX designer with a passion for creating innovative user experiences that help people achieve their goals. Katie has made the journey from stay-at-home mom to Fortune 500 fintech UX designer, so I know you'll learn a lot from her story. She loves generating ideas and using logic and creativity to solve complex problems. She has a broad range of tech skills, including development skills, And she specializes in user research and communicating with engineers. Katie is a UR Techie alum with a passion for accessibility. She lives in Providence, Rhode Island with her husband, Dave, her son, Nathan, and their cats, Austin and Tessa. Katie, welcome to the show. All right. Tell us about your journey. How did you start out? And then how
1: did you end up where you are? Yeah, so I got started in tech after competing in a Google Developer Challenge. It was a... program that Google offered with you know a hundred thousand people just kind of completing different coding challenges and working together to complete a few projects. And they chose twelve hundred people, I think, to participate in a follow-up program, which was a front-end development program. so I completed that program and completed a few different front-end development projects, learned everything from HTML to React. And then I started, Doing some freelancing before enrolling in a full stack boot camp and eventually found the UR Techie program and developed my UX design skills. Awesome. So I actually
0: didn't know that. I'm going to be real clear, audience. Katie does not give herself enough credit. Let's be clear. So there were 100,000 developers and then you were selected as one of 1,200? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's incredible. So that's how your journey started. You were like, I'll just start off. By competing with a hundred thousand other developers,
1: yeah, pretty much. And I didn't even know HTML at the time. So really, so you had, so you knew no
0: programming, yeah. none. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. And so then, how did you eventually kind of morph your way into UX design? So you have very strong technical skills, we know, but like, how did you eventually figure out that like UX design was the path you wanted to go to? Well,
1: I started researching design while I was actually freelancing, trying to improve the visual design of my sites. But really, it was just the combination of creative problem solving that drew me to UX, and you know, I just kind of stumbled upon the UI Techie Coaching Program, and it just sounded like it would be the perfect thing for me because you know, I was looking for a really strong mentoring from you know, all the women in tech. It's kind of how I went down that path. Oh, that's awesome! And I know that you have—I'm jumping a little bit,
0: but I know that you have a focus on accessibility and that comes from your background. And I think it's so exciting because I remember like a long time ago when you were like, I really would like to focus on accessibility. Do you think that's possible? And now you get to do that in your job because this is such an important aspect of UX design, but oftentimes it it gets pushed by the wayside. It's not the primary thing. Can you talk a little bit about why you're passionate about accessibility and then what that means in your day-to-day job?
1: Yeah. So I think my previous advocacy experience drives my passion for you know, inclusive designs, I guess, honestly, you know, the most important thing with accessibility is just that awareness and that inclusive mindset. Right now, I actually get to do a lot of cool work with different users who are experiencing difficulties with accessibility in our product. And just kind of making that experience accessible to them is just one of my passions, just something I really enjoy. Can you tell the audience a little bit about some of the accessibility concerns
0: that UX designers just generally need to be concerned with? You know, someone who's new might not quite understand what
1: accessibility standards, how they impact users. Yeah. So, you know, web accessibility just means that websites, tools, technologies are designed and developed so that everyone can use them. So we all need to do better with it. But, you know, that awareness, again, is huge. So I would say contrast is probably one of the biggest Things that I run into daily is making sure that your color palette is accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are simple tools, plugins, you know, to do that within Figma and Sketch, probably Adobe as well.
0: So for accessibility, we're looking for, you know, versions of colorblindness and things like that. Are there other concerns What about different fonts? How do we help different users with different topographies and things?
1: So obviously the size of the fonts is a a big concern. Uh, A lot of products will have different settings for that uh, built into the operating system. So being aware of that is huge. And, you know, there are other things to account for as well, like motor impairments. We encounter that a lot, making sure that we cover all the bases with keyboard accessibility. One of the things that I think is important. And I mean, when you're talking
0: about motor accessibility, there are also like temporary disabilities that people have in terms of usage, right? It's not just all permanent challenges.
1: Oh, Absolutely. You know, somebody could just have something as, some, you know, it's a minor as a broken arm. It's a temporary disability, but they might not be able to use the product as easily. Or even like just in everyday life, we use a lot of accessibility features just for reasons that are unrelated to disabilities. Like, for example, using closed captioning when you're watching videos and a crowded, loud environment. Uh, I do that <laughs> regularly.
0: Katie, I do that at my house. Yeah, I do, exactly. You do that at your house. I do that at my house every Friday night. We do movie night. And I always put the closed caption on because I miss so many things because a kid will ask a you know, question or whatever. And my husband's like, can we turn closed caption off? I'm like, no. And I I don't think my I do not think my hearing is perfect. So I think I miss things and I love watching closed captions. So every Friday, oh, what, why is your house so loud? Is it the cats? No, my son is a percussionist. Oh, <laughs> I hedged early on now and I was like, not percussion because my second wanted to, he should be yeah. brass, but he plays too many sports. But it was like, he was into percussion. Yeah, that sounds loud. I can see that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I have a marimba <laughs> in my living room. You should yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great.
1: Okay, I love that. Thank
0: you for sharing that because I do think people often are like, "Yeah, accessibility is important, but then it gets pushed by the wayside, or we aren't looking at it holistically, or we're just looking at it, you know, from kind of the standard mindset. So I love that you said, Well, yeah, what if you had a broken arm or there are just different accessibility standards that need to be met and making sure that, yeah, the product is usable regardless of temporary or permanent disabilities. I think that's so fun. I love that you're doing that all right. You, have been interviewed a few times. I do have. Yeah. <laughs> so many interviews. And you love it. You love it. And just kidding. <laughs> but so many people listening do not love interviews. So you're in good company. So I would like to know do you have like, what are your two favorite, we call them secret weapon interview questions, or just which two do you think new UX designers should be prepared to answer?
1: So I honestly don't have too many questions that i remember okay because honestly interviews are stressful and you mostly just remember how the people made you feel oh that's great okay tell me more about that so i've had some really bad interviews and i've had some really good interviews and the best interviews were always done with people who they were just basically trying to network with me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they just were You know, not looking at it from the lens of, you know, getting hired and just kind of acting like I was their friend Mm -hmm. and, you know, just chit-chatting with me and treating me like a real person. Mm -hmm. Those are the best interviews. And actually that those interviews actually changed the way that I approached interviewing. And when I stopped trying to get hired and started focusing on networking instead, that's when I started making progress.
0: That's awesome. I think that's good advice.
1: (laughs) I know we've talked
0: about that before, but it can be hard. So did you have interviews where people like at the end of it, you were like, oh, I wouldn't even want to work there. Did you ever have those? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had terrible experiences, very degrading experiences when I first started interviewing for sure.
0: Wow. Wow. And so do you Are you sad you didn't get those jobs or take those jobs? No, (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your current team. How did they make you feel when you got hired on this current team?
1: Oh, wonderful. Like they are just like so welcoming and they really take the time to get to know people's strengths Mm -hmm. and they focus on those strengths and they basically... Go out of their way to make sure that person becomes a go to person for that topic. Wow. You know what I mean? And then they also make sure that you have enough time to, for that cross collaboration with different designers throughout, like we have a chapter. So throughout that, throughout the organization, basically where you can learn different skills from other designers. So if you are weaker in one area, you can build upon that skill. It's just a really nice way, you know, to approach the skill development aspect of design. That's
0: incredible because I think it's so great to see that you like the people and that the interview process, it wasn't so painful when it was the right environment. I mean, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, that sounds really Well, the interview was still tough. Great. Okay, so tell me about that.
1: I think one thing that I wasn't prepared for were panel interviews, of which I did many. Yeah,
0: those are horrible. I, I think those are, yeah, that's rough.
1: But I think knowing about them, going into it and knowing how to prepare. Yeah, can be beneficial you know expecting at least four interviews for bigger companies yeah
0: so you're so the panel when you showed up there were like three or four people way more than that (laughs) that. oh my gosh okay so way more than three or four people like a dozen people yeah and anybody could ask you a question Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that's amazing and so how do you feel? Well, you obviously did well. What was helpful to know going in, or what was helpful? Like, what was a helpful mindset to go into an experience like that?
1: So, my first one, I was what I can would consider to be largely unprepared for such a big interview in terms of the uh, portfolio presentation aspect of it. Okay, so you're presenting your portfolio. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but I learned a lot from it. Yeah. And the second panel interview for these two larger companies was much more successful, yeah, because I like knew how to approach the process right, and they were actually in the same week, so it was kind of stressful. I love it, I love it, you did so much, okay, so
0: if you're comfortable, I would love for you to circle back on this situation that you forgot about, but I didn't, so you can tell me, but you did a ton of learning and you actually went to a boot camp before you did you came to you techie and you were encouraged to market yourself. Is that true? It's true. Yes. Okay. So I've I've been getting this question. Okay. Well, how do I market myself? But you were encouraged to be something other than what you were. Can you just walk us through a little bit about that and how that influenced your path a little bit?
1: Yeah. So after I completed the Google scholarship program in the front end development bootcamp, I enrolled in a full stack development program. It was kind of gimmicky and not the best environment for me. that's for sure. just it was um very unorganized and the owner of the boot camp encouraged me to be more extroverted in, in order to obtain any sort of tech job. you know
0: no and we and I laughed about that. I was like, I'm sorry, you're in tech and he wants you to be more extroverted, which you know. I have been told my whole life that I couldn't be in tech because I'm extroverted. They're like, oh, you like people way too much to be in tech. It's for introverts. And I just, I remember when you told me that it just blew my mind. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Because that's the opposite. And so you did not do that. You did not use that strategy, obviously. <laughs> that's, it did not.
1: No, definitely not. I mean, I love people and I love, you know, talking with people and, and learning about their behaviors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, but in terms of marketing myself and, you know content creation and being extroverted and things like that. It's just not much stuff at me.
0: Yeah. So I think, I mean, you know, and I'm always preaching, you you did adhere to this. You said the networking aspect, I'm always preaching networking, but and now I'm calling it build your community. I've changed my language around it because I think that sometimes networking people are like oh, so salesy, whatever. But I think that it's important to know one of the things when you're describing like how much you like your team and you've done your work and do you feel like you get to be you at work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. That was one of the things that I hated when you told me that story. It's like, I don't think that success is being something you're not. And then what are you gonna do? Then you're gonna just like fake it for the next 20 years. Like mm-hmm. that's not gonna be <laughs> helpful. That's gonna be stressful. Totally. So I love that. So and you're still an introvert, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll <laughs> Even though I know you were dying to do this podcast, I only had asked you 17 times I was like Katie, will you come now? And she got on. I'm like, are you ready? She's like, not really, but I will do it. We'll do it. <laughs> but I think it's such an important story because number one, you need to celebrate yourself like you. And so I want to say to you publicly, well, congratulations, like you did it. And I was there. I know it wasn't easy, but you did this. And you should be very proud of yourself for what you accomplished. Thank you. You're welcome. And number two, I think it's important that you are an example of like you're just you and it wasn't easy you put in the work, but you get to be in an environment where you still get to be you every day. And I think that's a, a scary thing. But I'd love to jump to the last question. You'll be so happy. And so I'd love to hear, I just wanted to make sure that I got to celebrate you before we go. What advice do you have for a woman? Like take yourself back, you know, I don't know what made you do the the Google challenge or whatever, but take yourself back to before you knew HTML and you totally were not sure if it was even possible for you, someone is there right now, they're not sure, what advice would you give her?
1: Probably don't be afraid to put yourself out there and take risks because you'll never feel ready for this work. It's just a constant learning process and you would be shocked to see how many people are right there with you, even in the field. That is so good. I love that advice. That's beautiful. Katie Barrier, thank you so much for joining me on the You Techie
0: podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the You Are Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's dot ycom I'll see you next time.